Hello, uh, this is Russell McGee, one of the producers of the Ernie Pyle Experiment, and I'm joined in the studio here with... I'm Michael Brainerd. I'm Greta Lind. And, yeah. All right. Yeah, Mike, so <laughs> yeah. how did this whole Ernie Pyle Experiment come about? What, what drew you to Ernie? Well, I've been writing on Ernie for about 30 years. I love Ernie Pyle, and I love his writing. I suppose that's why, mm-hmm. you know. Now, you shared a story about your time in New York and how you encountered Ernie Pyle, if you will. Right. So how about you share a little bit about that story as well? As... Well, Ernie Pyle's long dead, right? I mean, he, well, right. he died during the war. So, But there's a lot of people that don't know that. There are people that do. We are here in the, in the hotbed of, of Ernie Pyle for sure in Indiana. And so most people are kind of introduced to him. I didn't know who he was. I was in a used bookstore. I had just gotten a part on All My Children, a ABC soap opera. And this was 1988, 89. And and I had moved from Los Angeles and just picked up stakes and, and moved myself out at the age of 23 to New York City. And I didn't have any friends or any, you know, infrastructure in a family way in any any way shape or form uh it was just myself and in order to keep myself sane and not um uh um, you know bored silly or whatever uh i'd read i just read a lot um i didn't have enough money to do much of anything else and the books i was buying i would buy at a used bookstore and there was this used bookstore in Lincoln Center, uh, right near where our studio was. And uh, so on the way home, I would always stop in. And one day I was there, and I was just pulling books off the shelves. And I pulled this one book off and kind of stuck to that book was this other book. And that book fell to the ground uh, at my feet. And, you know, you hear this happening, you know. (laughs) But uh, that was the Repile book, you know. And I picked it up. I'm, oh, what's this? And that started it. I was fascinated immediately. And Greta, so how did you meet this crazy guy who's come up with this whole (laughs) concept? Well, (laughs) Michael and I um, knew each other uh, from all my children. I was on for a year, and uh, Michael was my love interest. (laughs) Yeah. Or I was his love interest. One of them. Yeah, I yeah, I was the oh. other. Well, we all had multiple. Yes, I was <laughs> the virginal nurse that we were. Anyway, he was <laughs> married to someone else. I know, I was married. And, yeah. And your character was yeah. Yeah. hell-bent on destruction. No, no, <laughs> not at all. <laughs> Just as sweet as they come. Yeah, um, yeah so we knew each other uh, from that, but I taken several years off of Facebook and and got back on and this was what two two and a half years ago I get this message from this guy Michael Brainerd Greta is that you <laughs> I said yeah and I was like Michael oh my god Michael Brainerd <laughs> yeah on my children I was like yeah it's me he said uh Facebook strikes again I remember it was so funny and yeah. and you said do you live in Bloomington and I said yeah and you said I'm coming with my wife and uh, going to meet an expert on Ernie Pyle, and would you like to meet us for a drink? And I said, sure. 
And what were you doing here then? Well, when I had written this play, um, War is Come in Ernie Pyle. And uh, we had done it at a college in, in Missouri um, about two and a half years ago, which is why we came here mm-hmm. to Bloomington, my wife and I. And that's when we saw Greta. Okay. So we were there in Missouri doing this uh, production for about you know six, seven weeks. And we had a week off, so we went to Dana, to Ernie's, uh, the state historic site there in the museum of Ernie Piles. And we, we saw that, and we met some people there, mm-hmm. really nice people. Came here to Bloomington to meet with uh, Owen Johnson, who used to be a professor here at IU, and he taught a class on Ernie Pyle in the journalism school. Mm-hmm. And actually does have a, a role in this, correct? And he does have a role yeah. in this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> of course. I play, he's, he's, he's excited, and I'm excited to have him, too. And uh, so I came out here because he had set up a Facebook page. That's how I got to know him from Los Angeles. He had an Ernie Pyle Facebook page. Mm-hmm. And so we became, you know, friends from that. And uh, so I came here to, I call him the Pope of Pyle. <laughs> so I came here to kiss the ring. <laughs> so he asks me if I wanted to come out to National Ernie Pyle Day last year, which they had here on campus at IU uh, in the, right next to the Ernie Pyle statue. That big, There's a big room in that building, the mm-hmm. media building. Right. And uh, so there was Joe Galloway, who's a famous war correspondent from, from Vietnam. He was there as the keynote. And I showed up, and they had me read two of Ernie's pre-war pieces that are in our podcast, the, the wind story and the snake story. Uh, and it went over quite well. Mm-hmm. And essentially, by the time I left here, the folks here at WFIU got a hold of us and, and, and said, is there a, po- a podcast about Pyle? I said, no. And well, you, maybe there should be. I'm Owen Johnson. I've been studying Ernie Pyle for more than 20 years. Yeah, yeah. He he knows more about Ernie Pyle than any man alive. I'm a close second, but I don't even think that's close. We could talk just about anything, essentially, about Pyle. I mean, we can go back and forth and about obscure data. Um, but what I want to talk about is is Jerry. And... Uh, I guess what we don't know is almost everything about her. That's right. We do have one article that was published in an obscure Minnesota magazine um, by a member of her family. Um, We have no way of knowing whether what they were writing was true or not. Uh, We have a little bit of testimony from her sister um, who knew that she had some... uh, mental health issues. Um, We have some letters that she wrote to mutual friends of theirs um, in Albuquerque. He was the editor of the newspaper in Albuquerque and had known Pyle for a long time. Um, And we have six columns, I think it is, that supposedly were written uh, by Jerry, and perhaps she did the first draft and then he polished it because they were um, published in place of his column. Mm. Yeah. And when we talked about that over over the years about how much was she 
involved in his writing. And it's just easy to say, well, it's possible that she sat in quite a bit. We just don't know. She knew how he wrote. I think initially um, she was his muse. Yeah. She inspired his writing. Yeah. Um, she critiqued it. Um, and at the beginning, as with any beginning writer, his writing wasn't as good as it later was. And most certainly she um, made some suggestions that he incorporated. And eventually, because of her declining health, uh, he improved and he was able to do it on his own. Yeah. Um, he missed that. Yeah. And I think the letters that he wrote, to which he often received no answers when he was overseas during World War II, um, showed a retained affection for her. He knew that she was, what shall we say, three-sided. And uh, one part in which she made no sense that she displayed to him, but hardly to anybody else. Mm. Um, Pyle was, Ernie Pyle was, had a great ability to understand people. You see that in his writing. Yeah. And I think part of that, he honed his ability living with her. Sure. And she, um, they had to have had great repartee in the, in the, in the early years, just playing off each other. She liked to do these double cross stick pu puzzles. She had a wonderful understanding of words. Yeah. And in that sense, it's a real shame yeah. that she didn't write stuff on her own. Yeah. Yeah, there's something missed there for sure. Yeah, I think that about them as, as having that long-standing conversation about language and writing and, and just words in general and word play, you know, I think that was something that was uh, probably in development for Ernie, his, his entire writing career. I mean, you read those early um, aviation columns, and some of them are quite anemic, you know, and then th some of them aren't. Some of them are really beautiful and in-depth, you know. Well, when you think he was writing, what, 900 words a day, six days a week, nobody can be great all that time. Just yeah. imagine right. if Hemingway had to do that yeah. or John Dos Passos or some somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. They understood each other, I think, even in silence. Um, if they were driving and they weren't talking, they understood that neither one of them really wanted to talk. Pyle may have been thinking about future columns in his head. Uh, we don't know for sure what, what, what she was thinking. And then she would start to talk. She was manic-depressive in a time that they didn't understand what that mm -hmm. was. Mm -hmm. And I can imagine in manic times, she was full of life and energy and creativity. Yeah. Yeah. But unfortunately, the down periods became more frequent as time went on. Yeah, yeah. She's a fascinating character, you know, and she's the dramatic structure of this piece, the entire piece, you know. Uh, you know, you, with Ernie, you would have to, I don't know, take him as a, in a day-to-day -day way uh, and, and really hunt for something 
as your dramatic structure, but with Jerry, it's, it's a slam dunk. I know when we started uh, the process of auditioning that you were concerned, um, maybe not the right exact word choice there, but we wanted to make sure that we found an actor that was of the right caliber to match Ernie yeah. and be able to play off against Ernie and find the right Jerry. Yeah. And can you talk about that? Oh, yeah. Greta was uh, a, a blessing, that it, how it happened. Um, I didn't know she was going to be in this. You know, I didn't at Me all. Neither. Yeah. So no favoritism. No. Yeah. <laughs> no, it was. This was very last minute, actually. There yeah. was a, there was another girl who's a friend of both of ours mm-hmm. from all my children that I was going to try to get out here, Katie McLean. Mm-hmm. Uh, she had been a part of my writing process mm-hmm. with from the play to also doing uh, these episodes it. and workshopping it in L.A. Yeah. Right. So I would get to a certain point with these episodes and and i'd have her show up with with a few other actor friends and we'd read through these things and it's part of the process of Mm -hmm. seeing what works what wasn't working and and she was terrific but she's also a director now and so she has a couple of projects she's trying to get off the ground she just couldn't come out and do it right so you know i reluctantly packed all my clothes in a suitcase and came out here for the casting process, not knowing if I was going to get somebody of her caliber. And we had, just so the audience at home knows this, the day of, we ended up having 67 actors audition on one day. That meant that we extended the auditions twice, and we went from 10 a.m. to 10.30 at night with just one break to see all of the actors that we could in that yeah. short span. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I read with all of them. Wow. And what has it been like for both of you switching over into a completely different format as far as, like, we, we've talked about this off yeah. and on, but, like... It's you've, weird. You've worked on stage. You've worked in film. Yeah. What What's it like to do radio, <laughs> audio? <laughs> well, I think that the... Sound studio is my new happy place. (laughs) It feels so, it's like this cocoon where we are here with one another in a very close way. Mm -hmm. And I feel like anything that arises, I feel like I show up raw. And I feel that the guidance actually from each of you, Michael and Russell, at any given point just lifts me into a certain space and I can go there and then mm. I can go there and um, it, it really feels immediate and alive and kind of freeing actually yeah, yeah it's pretty it's pretty cool it's pretty amazing that uh, that we speak the same language you and I <laughs> yeah. well again you're talking about method and we have that Meisner connection I know we've ended up relying on each other it's it's an amazing fit you know <laughs> I, I really truly hope that we we're able to do this again I know? I do too. (laughs) It's uh, it's a big learning process. I've never never done anything like this. Mm -hmm. I didn't know what to expect, and um, frankly, I was a bit intimidated by a lot of it. So, I was writing these things, and when we first started talking about doing it, it was last year at uh, August September, and and the first idea was to get this in the can in by December. 
of that year. <laughs> and just for everybody at home, so because like I know by the time you hear this, this is actually October 2019. So when Mike go. was talking about August, he was talking about August of 2018. So we've already been yeah. over a year working on this. Right. And always talking on the phone. You yeah. and I you and I have been phone friends for <laughs> for the last year. You know? Yeah, and it wasn't until the auditions that we actually physically finally met. That was right. Yeah. You know, that's mm-hmm. like a month ago, huh. right? Yeah. Maybe about a month yeah. ago. Yeah, 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 yeah. Where we finally met in person. Um, I've been working on the Doctor Who audios in the UK, and that's part of the reason John knew I had the experience and mm-hmm. asked me to come on and help out with Michael. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's great. The trust level that I have in this process is through the roof. Mm. It is, I, I don't question anything. I'm completely present in this experience. It's, and it's because you're each holding it with such clarity and vision. And you know, you know, you, you'll have us come back and do it again a different way. I just, mm. I'm not worried one bit. Mm. And we've we've said this from the beginning that we all are trying to have fun and definitely have been having fun all yeah, along yeah, so far. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so far so good. You guys have anything else you want to leave the audience with as far as closing thoughts? Go read Ernie Pyle. You know, go read his pre-war stuff. It's a better entry point for Ernie Pyle. It's about America at that time, and go and read it because he's not political. He writes about the people in that time, and and really, I challenge you not to see yourself in it. 